Hey, let's just all stay right where we are right now. Let's just all stay right where we are right now. Let's just all stay standing for this moment. Let's just continue in worship here this morning just by telling God why he's good. Telling God that why we've experienced, we've tasted that he's a good, good father. Would you just pray and would you just tell him that right now? Tell him that you can say that just privately there to yourself. You can declare it out loud and raise up your voice that God, you're good. God, you're good. You are a good, good father to children, to us, to people who do not deserve it. God, we, we have not done anything this week to deserve your goodness. And all we've got from you this week is goodness. It's all we've got. All we've got from you this week is grace. And all we've got from you this week is mercy. And, 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 and God, I'm sure with so many people here today, there's people looking at their circumstances and they're saying, there's no way that's true. There's no way that all I'm getting from God right now is mercy. God, show us even breath right now is mercy. God, to be alive is mercy. Jesus, to be here in this place and singing praises to you, that is a mercy that, God, if we're taking that for granted, God, we are sorry. God, God, to walk into this place and, and if our hearts are consumed with, with things maybe happened this week or maybe something happened over the weekend or something even that somebody said or did, you know, just this morning in the car or something on the way here, something coming up this week, if our hearts are distracted, God, it's mercy that right now you are calling us to focus back on you. It is mercy that right now you are just speaking into every single heart saying, hey, I want more of you. Hey, I want your heart. I want your mind. Listen, I know you feel really far from me, but you, are, you have never been closer to me than you are right now in this moment. God, that is your goodness to us, and we do not deserve it. And God, we celebrate and we praise you and we give you all glory for every ounce of goodness. God, we have every reason to celebrate because we have a Savior who is alive today. We have a Savior who bought us from death. We have a Savior who bought us from hell, and we are His forever. And the devil cannot take us out of your hand, and the world cannot take us out of your hand. Our own sin, God, we can't even take ourselves out of your hand. God, if we are in Christ, nothing can separate us from you. We are yours. It is all mercy. It's all mercy. It's all more mercy. And so we just sing that and we declare that today. And we don't want to just do church and say that was nice. God, it's all mercy. And we just stop right now and acknowledge that and give you all glory for it. All glory is yours, God. All glory is yours. Father, we love you. You are a good, good father. And we don't deserve any of it. But you have lavished us in goodness and mercy and grace. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Go ahead and be seated. Man, it's so good seeing you here today. Uh, if, if you're excited to be here today, look at two people next to you and say, it's good seeing you. Look at somebody and say, it's good seeing you today. It's good seeing you. It's good to be here. Glad you're here today. Glad you survived Thanksgiving, Black Friday. You know, you made it here this week. Uh, you're, it's another week to come and to worship, and so, man, we're excited, and uh, it's just a privilege to be here. Hey, if today is your very first time here at Summit, my name's Mark, and I'm the lead pastor here, and we're excited uh, and honored to have you here today. And I want to say to you really quick, if today is your first time here, you're brand new, maybe you got invited, saw it on, online, or you just uh, kind of rolled by the forum today and said, what's going on, and pulled in. I don't know what got you here today, but I want you to know if you're here for the very first time, we are so excited to have you here today. In fact, Summit, let's welcome all of our VIPs, all of our uh, people who have come today, our guests. And here's what we ask. If you are brand new, if today's your very first time, or even if today's your second time, if you're a returning guest, for all of our first-time guests, returning guests, we've got a free gift for you at our welcome table. That's the table you'll see right when you walk through those doors right there in the lobby. And we would love for all of our first-time guests, returning guests, to visit that table before you leave today. We've got a free gift for each of you, and we would just love to, to say thanks and say hi to you. And also, um, at the end of service today, uh, we always have a thing that's called First Step, and that's for anybody that's new here to Summit, anybody I've never met. Like just last, maybe even maybe a minute or two, literally a minute or two, just shake your hand, say hi to you. And so if I've never met you, I would love to meet you really quick this morning before you head out and uh, just say hi to you. Uh, we do that at the table, so make sure before you, uh, if you're new here today, returning guests, before you leave, hit the welcome table. We're excited 
to have you here. And also, uh, for everybody that's here, first-time guests are people that come every single Sunday. Um, after the sermon, uh, before we receive our offering, we always give our church time to fill out the connection card that's in your seat. When you walked in today, you'll notice there's a connection card and an ink pen for you to fill that out. And, um, and we give everybody a moment. We ask everybody to fill that out. And you can let us know what God did in your life uh, today. And also, also, I'll say this. I'll tease it, and then I'll come back at the end. Uh, don't let me forget it if I do forget it, because that happens here from time to time. Uh, but I'll tease it right now and say, uh, you'll want to fill your connection card out uh, this week, because there's a free gift attached to it today, all right, for every single person. I'm going to tell you more in a minute, but you make sure you fill that out, all right? Hey, um, today, something we do from time to time, uh, once or twice, a couple times a year, is uh, we have a moment where we uh, honor uh, and, and celebrate uh, new parents in our church, and we do this from time to time. So if you're like, hey, I would like to do this, well, don't worry. We've got, we'll have another one coming up, and you can uh, be a part of that. We'll tell you how. Uh, but here in just a moment, I'm going to bring out just a few families uh, in our church uh, that are celebrating uh, a birth of a new uh, son or daughter in their family. And let me tell you what this, uh, what this does. It's called baby dedication, child dedication. And let me tell you what this isn't, uh, actually. Let me tell you what this is not. This is not, uh, this is not uh, an ordinance of the church. Ordinance, that's a really good churchy word. Ordinance means that before Jesus went back to heaven, he told the church to continue to do two things. He's commanded the church to do two things until he comes back. Those are called ordinances. Those two things are baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're doing baptisms next week, so if you need to get baptized, you can sign up and we'll do that next week. It'd be amazing. We're taking the Lord's Supper today at the end of our service. Uh, Baby dedication, child dedication is not an ordinance of the church. Jesus didn't talk about it. In fact, you cannot go to the Bible and find a single verse about doing what we're about to do. So why do we do it? Here's exactly why we do it. Because it's a a motivation of families that are about to be on this stage that they want to raise their kids to know and to love and to worship Jesus Christ. And they are standing in front of our church today pledging before God and all of us and asking for our church to pray for them that God would give them strength and guidance. And so these families come today to say that they love Jesus and their heart's desire and prayer to God is that their kids would grow up and be men and women of God. And listen, what a praiseworthy goal that is. What an awesome goal and desire that is. Amen, church? Amen? We want to celebrate that with these families, all right? And so um, look at your neighbor and say, you're still asleep, and slap them, all right? I feel like some of you are just just right over, just right over. Do it in Jesus' name. Just cast that out. Be awesome. All right? So I'm going to uh, read some names here, and then these families are going to come up on stage, and we're going to celebrate that they're here. I'm going to stand right here. You guys can just walk. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over to me. This is Derek and Stacy. Derek and Stacy are going to come out, and uh, Bailey is with them, and today they are dedicating Victoria Sky Allen. Let's celebrate them being on stage with us this morning. Here you go. I want to give you guys that. Next is Jeff and Alicia Parker, and Jeff and and Alicia are bringing out Isaiah David Parker. Celebrate them this morning. Let's give them a round of applause. Here you guys go. I want to give you guys that. Next are Eddie and Amanda Eldridge. They're bringing out Cooper, and they're also introducing Reagan James Elizabeth this morning. Here you go. And finally, John and Brittany are coming out, and they are bringing Owen Jennings Walker to the stage this morning. That's awesome. Look at there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, here's what, we, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, like I said, these families come up here to make a pledge before God and our church that their heart's desire, prayer to God, is that their kids, their children would grow to love and worship Jesus Christ. And uh, as they make this pledge, they make this pledge by making a series of vows, really four vows that I'm going to read, and you'll simply respond by saying, I do. The first vow is, do you dedicate yourself wholeheartedly to pursue a relationship with God by trusting in the finished and saving work of Jesus Christ and depending on the Holy Spirit to guide your entire lives. Amen. The second vow is this. Do you dedicate yourself to faithfully pursuing a vibrant relationship with your spouse, sacrificially loving each other, dating each other, prioritizing each other over your work and children and seeking help and guidance from this church family and from our heavenly Father to have a marriage that glorifies Him? 
Do you dedicate yourself to actively participate in the church community, investing in people, learning from friends, and using your gifts for the sake of Jesus' kingdom, knowing that your children need input and examples of godly people in their lives? And finally, do you dedicate yourself to raise your children with biblical love, instruction, and discipline, with the hope and prayer to God that they would grow to be men and women of God? Church, would you, you, let's do this. Let's all stand together this morning. And I would love if you're able, if you're comfortable with, would you just extend your hands as a, uh, to signify that we as a church community are praying for these families this morning. Would you just extend your hands toward them and let's lift them up in prayer this morning. Father, I just thank you so much for these families that are represented up here on this stage, God. I thank you for every single man and woman who's up here today because, God, you have touched their heart. You have changed their lives. And Father, it's their hope and prayer that Jesus, as their kids grow up, they would see you in them. They would see you in their parents' lives. They would see you in the lives of people here in our church and that, God, you would so move in their children in such a way that they would want to know Jesus. They would want to love Jesus in the same way they see their mom and dad doing it. Not perfectly, but Jesus, they look at their parents. They look at people in this church and see those are people who are trying to follow Jesus to the best of their ability, filled with the Spirit of God. And so, Father, I pray for these kids that they would grow up to be strong mighty men and women of God, that you would give these families, these parents and grandparents and everyone represented but not on this stage today, give them grace and everything they need in the days ahead to raise these children to know and to love Jesus Christ, to be salt and light and examples for them. And Father, we will give you all the glory for it. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your strong and powerful name we pray and lift up these children to you today. We ask all this In Jesus' name, and all the church said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Let's thank them one more time for coming out here today. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. You can go that way. God bless you. Here's what we're going to do. I want to show you guys a a quick video to kind of set up what we're doing uh, this morning just to get our hearts ready. Uh, for this. Uh, We just came through Thanksgiving, and that's probably fresh on your hearts and minds, so I want you to watch this video here today. Go ahead and turn it up, turn the lights down, check this out.
Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, guys, uh, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to 2 Samuel, all right? Go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of 2 Samuel. Turn it on your phone, your, uh, whatever you're packing today. If you don't have a Bible, man, they're free in the back. You can always grab one on your way out, but we are going to be in the book of 2 Samuel today. We're not starting a series. We're starting a series next week, our Christmas, our Advent series. Advent means preparation for the coming of our Lord, and so we're launching into that next week, and so we're kind of in between that, and so we're going to do, uh, do a one-shot today, all right? And so we're in 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're on the other side of Thanksgiving. Like I said, we're kind of in that in-between time of Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and, and I don't even know if there is an in-between time between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas anymore. I mean, if you go to a mall or a lot of stores, I mean, they've been getting ready for Christmas since, what, mid-June, right? Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I've been seeing snowmen up since, like, April and stuff, just getting ready for Christmas, and, 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 I, and I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, uh, but, but for every single one of us, I know my family had this moment, every family probably had this moment, maybe it was actually on Thursday or sometime around this season, when somebody gets everybody around, and we look at each other, and we ask, what are you thankful for? Did anybody have that moment? I had that moment. I did that with my family, and, uh, and, and so, so you, you, you have that moment. I don't know where you're at today on the thankful meter. Uh, maybe you're at one, and you're not thankful for anything at all, or maybe you're 10, and you are just embarrassingly thankful. Like, people just don't even like to be around you. You're so thankful. Um, I don't know where you're at today, but I want you to know, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but that thankfulness is important to God. Did you know that? Thankfulness matters to God. I mean, you read the Bible and and God will say things like the verse we just read on screen, give thanks in all circumstances. Or the book of Psalms tells us to come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Thankfulness matters to God. But here's one thing that God will never do. God will never do what I have had to do as a dad repeatedly for the past several years. And what you've done as moms or dads or grandparents, if there's kids in your life, there's been at some point where you've done something for your kids, you've done something for your grandkids, you've given them something or something like that. You do something for them, and then they just take it and run off or just go about their lives, and then you do this, right? You go, hey, whoa, whoa, slow down. What do you say? Right? We, we do that, don't we? Hey, what do you say? And, and you know what you're supposed to say. What are you supposed to say? Thank you. You're supposed to say thanks, right? I mean, I mean, that's all we want to hear is thanks. Wait, wait, stop. What are you supposed to say? See, God will never do that. And the reason that God will never do that is because God is not simply interested in the word thanks when my heart doesn't reflect thanksgiving. Do you understand? See, thankfulness is a matter of the heart, not a word that I say, Right? Thankfulness is a condition of my heart. And so what God does is God wants to change my heart so that my heart is overflowing with thankfulness so that what's in my heart comes out of my mouth. And so I've been praying, and hopefully this is what God's going to do in our lives today, is that God would give us a picture that would change our hearts and, and begin to make us into thankful People And so we are going to read a story that maybe if you've grown up in church, you've heard this story before. There's a really good chance that you've never heard this story before. Maybe maybe you've been in church for several years, or if you're brand new to church, there's a really good uh, chance today that a lot of us have never heard the story that we're going to look at today. It involves two people. Now, one of those people everybody has heard of, a guy named David. Now, everybody's heard of David. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or you have a church background or not. I mean, everybody has heard the story of David and Goliath, right? Right? I mean, this is that David. So everybody's heard of David, but it's the other guy that a lot of us have not heard of. And the other guy's name is Mephibosheth. Now, if you are an expecting parent, I would strongly encourage you to name your son Mephibosheth just because it's awesome to say. In fact, let's all say it right now. Say it with me, Mephibosheth, right? Say it one more time. Two people did it. Mephibosheth. It's just so fun to say. If you do it right, you can spit hard enough to get on the back of your neighbor, of the person in front of his head, all right? You can do that today. So it's a story about David 
and Mephibosheth. And here's what I want us to see this morning. I'll just tell you the entire sermon right now. Because Thanksgiving's past this, Christmas is coming, I'm in a good mood. I'll tell you the whole sermon right now. Here's the whole sermon. The reason that we're in this story today is because this story is our story. And this is going to be our story forever. And the only right response to that is for you and I to say, Jesus, thank you. That's the whole sermon in a nutshell. So I want us to see this from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I think the best way to go about this is I'm going to read a little bit, stop and comment on it so that it makes sense and we're tracking with what the biblical author wants us to realize rather than just reading it, trying to come back. So let's work our way through this here and see what God does this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1, and David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? See, there's a verse we need to stop at right there because I don't want to assume that everybody knows who was just named in those verses. So before David was king in Israel, the guy who was king before David was a king named Saul. You can read all about Saul in the book of 1 Samuel. God called Saul to be king. God gave Saul great promises that Saul and and people in his family, he was going to have a lineage of someone being king for as long as his line existed. And then through a series of sinful, rebellious choices, God strips the kingdom of Israel from Saul and his family's hand and calls literally a teenager to be the next king. And that teenager is David. God calls David to be the next king. David moves from the shepherd's fields. We're going to talk about that next week when we start our Christmas series. But David moves from the shepherd's fields. He is living in the king's palace. His brothers were already uh, warriors in Israelite's army. David goes to bring them a sack lunch. There they are. They're scared to get to death of Goliath. David kills Goliath. David's all of a sudden, he's rising in popularity. All of a sudden, he gets a lot of followers on Twitter and a lot of retweets. And he's really popular on Snapchat. And so Saul invites him to the the kingdom, he becomes really jealous of David because everybody loves David. And the Bible actually says that the Lord left Saul and Saul didn't know it. Stop right there and just let me say that's the worst thing that God could ever do to you. Leave you and you wouldn't know it. Right? And so Saul is filled with jealousy over David. And, and a lot of the book of 1 Samuel is Saul actually pursuing David. Saul becomes so filled with jealousy, he hates David. He is running, away, he is running after David, and David's trying to run away from Saul. But what's, what makes the matter complicated is that after David kills Goliath, Saul, he, Saul brings him into the palace because he thinks, hey, maybe this guy's a really great warrior. But then he learns that, uh, that David has been called king. David becomes best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. And you can read all about that story, and and Jonathan really steps in and saves David's life a lot of the time. But David asks, here it is years later, both Saul and Jonathan are killed in a battle. You can read about it in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, first chapter of 2 Samuel. They're both killed in the same battle, so they've been dead for years. And David is king. And at one point while David is king, David asks, is there anybody left in Saul's family that I can honor them for the sake of my former best friend, Jonathan? Let's keep reading. Verse 2, now there was a servant of the house of Saul. There was a guy who used to work for Saul. His name was Ziba. Again, an amazing name. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, "There's there's still a son of Jonathan. Jonathan has a son, David. But here's the thing. He's crippled in his feet. He's paralyzed. David, Jonathan, your former best friend, he had a son, and he's paralyzed. And the king said to Ziba, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. He's paralyzed. Where is he? He's living at someone else's house. Why? Because he's homeless. He doesn't have a place to stay. Here's a man living in complete poverty in Lodabar. A, a not, not, not a very glamorous section of Israel. No one wanted to go there. Crippled, in poverty, homeless, in a section of town nobody 
wanted to go into. And the king and King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lo Debar, and Mephibosheth, there he is, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Mephibosheth is carried in. He's put in the presence of David. And it says that Mephibosheth just throws himself to the best that he can. He just falls on his face in front of David and begins to pay homage to David. Here's why. Because it was customary for every king of Israel to have the former king's family, if any one of them were left, kill them all so that they could not try to rise up and take the throne. Mephibosheth knows that. So what is Mephibosheth thinking when he hears, hey, the king wants to talk to you today. What's he think is going to happen? It's over, brother. It's over. I mean, I'm already paralyzed and I don't have a place to live. This dude's letting me live in his house. I mean, how, how, I mean you're going to kill me now? He is scared to death. He is convinced he is about to be murdered. And that's exactly why David, when David begins to talk to Mephibosheth, verse 7, David said to him, don't be afraid, bro. I'm not going to kill you. Do not fear. Watch what David does. For I will show you the kindness, I will show you kindness rather, for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore you. Watch, watch, watch. He was homeless, had nothing. He couldn't walk. He didn't know where his next meal was going to go to. The king has called him into his presence. He's convinced the king is going to kill him. And the king says, don't be afraid. I know who you are. And I knew your dad, and we were best friends, and I'm going to show you mercy. And watch what David does. David says, I will restore to you, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. He, he, he comes in, he's homeless, he has nothing. David looks at him and says, listen, Mephibosheth, I am giving you everything Saul had. All the land of Saul is your land now. I am giving you every single thing that Saul had. And Mephibosheth, I want you to eat at my table for the rest of your life. Here's what David is saying to Mephibosheth. David is saying, Mephibosheth, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to watch out for you. Anytime you walk through anything, Mephibosheth, I am going to have your back. I am going to be your personal king. I am going to take care of you as long as you live. In verse 8, that Mephibosheth is blown away. Mephibosheth pays homage and said, I love this, watch. What is your servant? What is your servant? Who am I? Who am I that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? But David doesn't stop. He says this, verse 9, Then the king called Ziba, that servant that used to work for Saul. Ziba, Saul's servant, said to him, All that belonged to Saul, all that belonged to Saul, and to all his house, I've given to your master's grandson. Everything that Saul used to own, I just gave it to this guy. All right? And you, your sons and your servants, shall till the land for him and shall bring him, bring him uh, the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. David knew this. David said, listen, this guy's paralyzed. He's going to need some help. So David, sells to, David says to Ziba, Saul's former servant, Ziba, I want you and everybody in your family and all the servants that used to work for Saul, now you work for him. And you're going to take care of him, and you're going to till the ground, and you're going to make sure all of his needs are met. But listen, anytime there's a meal in the palace, I want Mephibosheth to meet and to eat at the king's table. And Ziba says to the king, verse 11, according to all that my lord the king commanded his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons, homeless, paralyzed, had nothing, and in an instant, all the land that the king used to own, this man owned, and now he eats in the presence of the king. And Mephibosheth had a young son, and his name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. He's not living in this, this broken section of town. He's going to live in the holy city, and he will always eat at the king's table. Now, he was lame in both of his feet. 
I mean, in an instant, here's a man who has nothing. Here's an instant, here, in an instant, here's a man that society has forgot. He's rejected, and now this man is going to spend the rest of his life in the presence of the king. Here's a guy that when he goes into the throne room, he is convinced that what he is going to get is a sword, but instead what he gets is mercy. Say, so why in the world are we talking about this? Why, why in the world would you talk to me about this today when I got bills to pay that I can't pay, when I got this diagnosis this week, when my family is walking through this, we're talking about being thankful. I see nothing in my life to be thankful for. And the reason that we're in this story is because this story is our story. Because what God has given to us is absolute, infinite mercy. Right? Listen, if there is a deficiency of thankfulness in your life, it's because you have forgotten the mercy that you've been given. Right? Amen? And listen, we have been given infinite mercy, have we not? We have been given infinite mercy. There is no better picture of who we are before we met Jesus. There's no better picture of who we used to be if you're a follower of Jesus before you met God. There's no better picture of who we were when we were lost than Mephibosheth. Paralyzed, had nothing, could not help himself, needed somebody outside of him to come in and to change his life, could not, could not improve on his situation at all. That is exactly who we were apart from Jesus. Listen, the Bible doesn't sum it, the Bible doesn't say that you and I were bad people and we needed to be good. We're not bad people. <laughs> we're not bad people. The Bible doesn't say that our biggest problem is we're bad and we need to be better. The Bible says that our biggest problem is that we're dead in our sin. We're dead. In Ephesians 2, 1, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. We are not bad people who need to be good. We are dead people who need to be brought to life. Amen? We are dead people who need to be brought to life. And, 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 and this was me before I met Jesus. And, and, and apart from God calling our names, just like David called Mephibosheth's name. Had God not called your name, and had God not called my name, we would still be in that lost, dead state. We would still be living our own lives and doing our own things and thinking that life was just about money and paying bills and more square footage and more popularity and going out on the next date and the next vacation and living for the weekends blind and dead to the fact that there is a God who made all of it and we were made for him. Man, listen, I don't know where you were when Jesus called your name. I don't know how old you were when Jesus called your name. Maybe you're so little. Maybe you were so little when you met Jesus you can't even remember what that moment was like. Or maybe you, maybe you gave your life to Jesus this year. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus this past week or this month. I don't know how old you were or what that situation was like. Maybe you were in church like you are right now. Or maybe you were at home alone. You just felt broken and empty. Or some friends were just sharing with you about Jesus and how he loved you. I don't know how old you were what that moment was like but listen the moment that you met Jesus what happened in that moment is that the king called your name and the king wanted you at his table and the king wanted you and his presence some of you guys look like you're not tracking with this so let me remind you of the mercy that we've been given Right, right. Let me let me just remind us of the mercy we've been given. All right, verses are on the screen again. I'm a nice guy. I threw them up there. Romans five eight. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand what we just said? Do you understand what that just? Here's what that just said. When we were running from God, God was running after us. Man, when I wasn't thinking about God, God was thinking about me. When I didn't want anything to do with God, God wanted everything to do with me, not because I deserved it, but God knew, man, if I don't step into Mark's life, he's just going to live for money. If I don't step into his life, he's just going to waste it when he was made for more. I love that that doesn't say that when we got our act together, when we got our act together and cleaned up, then Jesus died for us. No, 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 no. That says when you were broken. That says when you were messed up. That says when you were addicted. That says when you didn't love God, God loved you. 
Amen? That says, that says when we couldn't help ourselves, God did everything we needed. Man, one of the most unbiblical things that we think today, I see this all the time. I hear this all the time. I see it on social media all the time, and I vomit a little every time I see it. God helps those who, helps them, who help themselves. No, he don't. No, he don't. Mephibosheth can't help himself. I can't help myself. I'm dead in my sin. I need the king to bring me to life, right? And when I could not help myself, the king helped me. While I was still dead, broken, far from God, God brought me in because he loved me. Did the same thing for you. Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's what Jesus did to your past. That's what Jesus did to that. Listen, that's exactly what Jesus did to that thing that every once in a while the voice comes up in your head or somewhere inside of you that says, do you really think that God forgave you for that, bro? That was crazy. Listen, that might be the devil telling you that. That might be you telling you that. That might be one of your friends telling you that. But I can, I can guarantee you who it isn't telling you that. It is not God because God has removed it. It is, it's gone as far as the east is from the west. That's why when the devil brings up your past, you need to tell the devil to shut up because it's gone. You can do that, by the way, right? You can do that, by the way. He's a loser. He's defeated. We've read the end of the book. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins, all right? You can do that, right? It's gone. It's gone. And so, so this is our story. Listen, if thankfulness, listen, if you want to become more of a thankful person, remember the infinite mercy of God that we could not help ourselves. But this is our story that the king has called our names and brought us into his presence. And he wants us to eat at his table forever. He wants us to eat at his table forever. But see, not only is this our story now, this is our story forever. Literally, this is our story. This story right here is our story forever. Because David invites Mephibosheth into the palace to, to, to eat a meal with him. And listen, the meals in the king's palace, this would have been a feast. This would have been, an, this would have been a massive feast. This would have been more food than anything Mephibosheth had ever experienced. And all of a sudden, he's going to have meals like that every day for the rest of his life because he's going to eat at the, at the king's table. But listen, listen, Jesus has invited you and I to a better feast than what David invited Mephibosheth to. Jesus has invited you and I to a bigger feast, a better feast. In fact, there's a name for it. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. In Revelation 19, you can turn to it if you want to read it with me. Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it says this. Revelation written by John the Apostle, and he says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roaring of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. Watch this picture. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. See, in Jesus' day summit, marriages weren't like an hour and a half, two hours long. They were days long, man. They were feasts. And, and the entire wedding led to this marriage supper where the groom and the bride and all of the family and all the friends, they, they came together in a place and they had this massive meal. They, everything was leading to this, to this moment where there was this celebratory meal where the bride and the groom are together. And what John sees in Revelation 9 is John sees Jesus, the groom, with the bride, the church. And so John, and, and just imagine this. This must, be a, this must be a heck of a table that we're going to eat at, all right? Because every single person that's ever said yes to Jesus in the past and in the future, every single person who has ever said yes to Jesus and who will say yes to Jesus, they are all going to be there, past, present, and future. You will be at this feast. 
you don't care, apparently. You don't care. Have you seen 4K TVs, how cheap they are at Walmart? Praise the Lord, Jesus. Thank you. Right? You will be there. (laughs) I love my job. I love it. You know why I think some of us don't get fired up at that? I think some of us don't get fired up at that because you think, why wouldn't I be there, bro? (laughs) Why? I deserve to be there. (laughs) I can't be thankful because I don't get what I deserve. You know what you and I deserve? Hell. That's what I deserve. Jesus Christ was tortured to death, and I deserve that. Why? Because I sinned against the holy God. I deserve to be the one on a, on a tree crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? But it'll never happen to me because Jesus did it for me. I deserve the heavenly Father to turn away from me and to weep and to mourn, but I'll never, I'll never experience that. Why? Because he did it to his own son. <laughs> Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. Man, I'm convinced that we're going to walk up to this table. Listen, it wouldn't surprise me at the marriage supper of the Lamb if you walk up to the table and there is your name on a card, on a plate. You ever been to one of those fancy dinners? Boom, they, made, they knew you was coming. And your name is there. Because Jesus prepared a place for you at that table. And you're going to eat at that table. And listen, listen, at that event, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, when I am there and every follower of Jesus is there and we are there and you look and you see your family there and you look and you see your friends there, I'm convinced in that moment, you're just going to have one of those moments where it's just a collective moment where you're just going to try, you're just trying to collect yourself. You're going to look down after looking at everything and Jesus Christ is right in front of you and you're going to say to yourself, I shouldn't be here. But I am. I'm here. And I am telling you, church, I am telling you, when we are at the king's table, it'll be clear that we're not there because we deserve to be there. It'll be clear that we're not there because, oh, well, did you see how good my grandparents were? Oh, did you see how much I knew of the Bible? It'll be clear like it's never been clear before. We are only there because of his mercy. We are only there because of his mercy. And then listen, listen, listen. In that moment, at that feast, when we are literally at the king's table, eating with Jesus, we will eat and we will drink and we will celebrate the fact that our Lord overcame death, hell, and the grave, and he didn't lose any of us. He didn't lose any of us. And, and I don't know how long that supper is going to last, that meal is going to last. It could last a moment. It could last centuries. I don't know what time is going to be like in heaven. But, man, all I know is that we will raise our glasses and we will celebrate and we will give thanks to the one that called our names and invited us to the table. That's what I know. And, man, in that moment, in that moment, The only thing that any of us are going to say is, Jesus, thank you. I'm not going to ask him, did I do enough? I'm not going to talk about anything that I did. I'm just going to say, thank you. Because I shouldn't be here, but I am. And the only reason that I'm there is because the king called my name. And he called your name. Paralyzed, spiritually dead, broken, destitute, could not help yourself, and the king of kings said, I want you at the table. And man, do you know how good Jesus is, Summit? Let me tell you how good Jesus is. Jesus is so good that he knew we would forget all of that. He knew that we would taste mercy and grace and we would forget it all. And here's what he did. He said, listen, in between that first time when I call your name and say you're coming to the table, in between that moment and when you actually get to the table, there's going to be a lot of times you forget grace. Has anybody forgot grace this week? I did. I did, man. My hand's up. My hand's up. Right? 
Jesus, Jesus is so good. He knows, hey, listen, there's going to be a lot of times, even though I've washed it as far as the east is from the west, there's going to be a lot of times you're going to feel guilty. There's going to be a lot of times you're going to feel filled with shame, regret. There's going to be a lot of times that you're thinking, oh, man, I've got to go to church today because if I don't go to church today, God's going to be ticked off and mad at me. And in that moment, you've forgotten that God already loves you just as much as he ever could because the love that he has for you is the love that he has for his son. Jesus knows I'm going to forget. Between when he calls my name and I'm at that table, he knew I was going to forget. And so here's how good Jesus is. Jesus said this, I'm going to start another feast. We're going to have another meal. And I'm going to call it the Lord's Supper. And, and so, so what Jesus did is Jesus took the disciples into the upper room. And he says, guys, I want you to eat this bread because my body is going to be broken for you. Never forget that I was broken for you. No, don't, always remember this. And, and then Jesus lifted up wine. He took wine. Today it's grape juice. But he took wine. Right? And he said, this, this is my blood poured out for you. And he, and he says, actually says it on the, on the label. I noticed this this morning. Jesus said this. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Meaning, when you forget, do this. Do this until I come back or until you see me face to face. I want you to remember mercy. I, I want you to remember grace. Until you get to the table, I want you to regularly remember what I've done for you. Oh man, have you, have you ever have you ever went to God and just wished that God would give you a sign and show you that he loved you? Have you ever done that? Man, I just wish that Jesus would give me a sign. I wish that Jesus would show me that he loves me. I wish that Jesus would show me that I'm forgiven. I wish that Jesus would give me a sign and just show me how much he cares for me. He has, and here it is. This is the sign. This is the sign that Jesus gave to the apostles, and this is the sign that Jesus gave to the church, the bread and the cup. And every single time we take it, we are taking it remembering we are products of mercy. And that same mercy that called our name is the same mercy summit that's going to bring us to the table one day. Amen? And so today we eat. And today we celebrate. We drink to remember that the King of Kings has called our names. And the King of Kings has brought us to the table. And neither death, nor hell, nor the devil, nor demons, nor anything can remove us from the table that the Son of God has brought us to. And I want to say one thing, and then we're going to do this. I'll say one, who should do this? Who should do this? You know who should do this? Forgiven people should do this. Perfect people should not do this. There are no perfect people. Oh, man, I wasn't perfect. I, I kind of messed up this week. Well, bro, that means you're human and you breathe. All right? All right? But listen, if, if Jesus has saved you, if he's changed your life, there's people coming around right now. If you kind of missed this when you were coming in, just kind of raise your hand. Raise your hand, though. Make sure you get this. Got some up here. There's people walking around. We want everybody to get this today. But I want to say this, and I want you to hear me. If you're here today, if you're here today, it, if you've said yes to Jesus and Jesus has saved you, you're not perfect, but hey, man, Jesus, I want to live for you. If that's the cry of your heart, that's the cry of your heart. I just want to know Jesus and love him and live for him. We invite you to eat today. We invite you to drink today. But I want to challenge you with something. You know, the Bible in 1 Corinthians talks about not taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If you're here today and you say, Mark, listen, I, I'm saved. I gave my life to Jesus. But you know what, man? I'm trying to live a little right now. I'm trying to experiment. I'm young or I'm single or I've got a lot of stress going on. I have a hard job. Thing. And so listen, I know that God doesn't really approve of what I'm doing. But you know what? I'm saved and I'm going to do it anyway. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus telling you to live that way? Well, no, no, I mean, no, Jesus isn't 
telling me to live that way? Well, is the Holy Spirit whispering to you that it's okay to do the very thing that Jesus Christ died for? Well, no, the Holy Spirit's not telling me to live that way. Well, then who is telling you to live that way? Well, I really, it makes me feel good. I can do what I want. Listen, listen, listen. I'm not telling you that you're not saved, but if you are absolutely comfortable living in sin and you can honestly say, you know what, I can do what I want and it really doesn't matter. I'm not telling you you're not saved, but I am telling you today based on the authority of the Word of God, you should check your conversion. You should check whether you've met him. You say, that's just where I am. That's just where I am. You know what? I would encourage you to skip out on this today because you've got some business that you've got to take care of between you and Jesus. But man, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you're not perfect and you've got a lot of struggles, but you know beyond everything else that you know, Jesus Christ has called your name and you are seated at the table, we invite you to remember by eating and drinking the fact that we have a risen Savior today. So I want you to take this and peel back the first layer. Just kind of reveals that wafer there. And Jesus called the disciples into the upper room and he, and he said, take, eat, this is my body that's broken for you, and, and I just want to give you, I just want to give our church a chance to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that this happened for me. And what happened to me this week doesn't change what you did. And the way I feel right now doesn't change what you did because you're, you were broken for me. Just tell him that right now. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for being broken. We celebrate mercy today. Eat in remembrance of him. And then Jesus took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Just peel back that second layer. We drink today, we drink today not as perfect people, but we drink today as forgiven people. Amen? Amen. Jesus, that's our, our heart. We would not be here. We would not talk about these things. We would not have, ex- we would not have experienced what we're talking about today, the mercy of God. We wouldn't know it had you not called our names. Maybe when we were little kids or maybe when we were teenagers or maybe when we were adults or at church or at home or our parents or grandparents told us about you or friends did whatever that was like, Jesus. Jesus, I praise you and glorify you today. There are so many people in this room right now for whom you have called their name. By by name, I want you to be at the table. And Jesus, you said you're gonna finish what you started in our lives. And the same mercy that saved us is the mercy that's gonna get us to that table with you for eternity. And today we just say thank you. We say thank you today for that mercy. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I want, you, I want our church to know that the invitation to that dinner, that meal, that celebration at that table with Jesus, it is open right now. And today, if you want to give your life to Jesus and experience his mercy for the very first time, right now you can pray and you can ask Jesus to save you, and he promises to do it. If today you know you want the mercy of God in your life, you know you want Jesus to save you, just pray this prayer with me today right there where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you today for the first time. I want your mercy to save me today, to change my life, make me new, make me whole. Jesus, save me today. I surrender all of my life to you. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me today. I love you, Jesus. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus to save you, it's because of his mercy that he saves. 
And so if you're here today and you prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus to, to save you for the very first time, you just raise your hand right now to say, Mark, today I asked Jesus to save me for the first time. I want his mercy in my life. I need it right now. Just raise your hand if that's you today. I just need that. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and, and you have experienced the mercy of God, but maybe Jesus is convicting you, he's dealing with you about an issue and says, hey, listen, I love you and it's because I love you, I want to deal with this issue in your life, this thing or this attitude or this thought. God is just bringing something to the surface of your life, your mind right now, and the Holy Spirit is telling you, hey, we want to work on that. I want to set you free from that. If, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? Just raise your hand. That's you. There's a hand right there. There's several hands right over there going up. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for mercy. It is mercy that you refuse to let us go and you keep pursuing us. And God, we glorify you today. We praise you for mercy. People who have experienced your mercy ought to be the most thankful people. So Jesus, thank you for it. We love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Some of us celebrate. Let's give God praise today. For mercy, that's what we're thanking him for, for mercy today, amen, amen. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to go ahead and take out those connection cards and our ushers are gonna get ready. We're gonna receive our offering and just ask everybody to fill out our connection cards. Those connection cards are the way we really keep track of who's here, who's not here. If you're a regular attender, all you need to do is just write your name on the card and check that you're a regular attender, that's it. But we'd love to know how to pray for you and any decision that you made in your life today, uh, we want to know about it. And I want to say one thing before Dana comes, and Dana's going Dana's to dismiss us. You can come on out. Dana's got something she wants to, uh, uh, we, three things she wants to say to us while we're receive, receiving our offering. Hey, on those connection cards, we have, a, uh, we have a special gift. It's Christmas, so everybody wants to get gifts and give gifts at Christmas. We have a gift for all of you today. Doesn't matter if you've been at our church for years or you're, this is the first time. We have a free gift that we honestly want to give you today. This is not a hoax or kind of something weird. Uh, we want to give, it, give you a gift. Um, that gift is going to come to you in an email that you will get uh, at least probably Friday or uh, next Monday. We're going to go into more detail about it on Sunday, but you will get it in your email uh, box. So that means we need an updated email on all of you. If, you, if we don't have your email address, uh, we would love to get it. And honestly, we've got a gift that we would just love to bless you and your family uh, with. You'll uh, see it later on this week, and we'll talk about it next Sunday. Uh, but I'm going to pray for our offering. We're going to receive it while Dana shares three things we need to know today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everybody that gives. God, I pray that you would just take this gift and use it, Father, in, in ways that we can't even imagine. And Jesus, thank you for mercy. It's mercy that we get to give and do what we did here today. Just let us not forget it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's, let's give. And uh, Dana's got uh, three things for us here. Go ahead, Dana. I don't know. Look at my cheat notes, you guys. So the first thing that I want to talk to you guys about is right now, Second Chance Mission is doing thing, something that is called Operation Santa. And so they are trying to, uh, to get some gifts together and to make a Christmas a really memorable one for some kids. And so if you would like to sponsor a child, and I'm not sure how many kids, how many kids you have left, sir? Okay, so 15, that's the number I'm going with, and then, because uh, I can't hear you either, but 15, uh, and she is going to be out front. If you are interested in sponsoring a child, it is $25. You can make Christmas happen for a child for the small, small cost of $25, so if you can just meet her out front and talk to her about that, if that is something that you would like to do. Summit 101, our next Summit 101 is Sunday, December the 10th, and we are now doing that at 10 o'clock in the morning. And if you could meet us that morning back in the multi-purpose room, if you don't know what the multi-purpose room is, it is the kids' area back here in the back, and that is a great time to learn about um, what Summit is about. If you have any questions, you can get that answered. You're there with Mark. It's a great time to learn how to grow and how to get connected here. So if you would join us for that, that would be awesome. And if you want to stay in contact with us and you want to know what we're doing and what's going on, uh, then download our app. You will find all kinds of tools on our app. You'll find um, devotions and things that you can do, and our calendar is on there. 
And so it is just a really, really handy tool to know what is going on. I actually have four things. So I have one more thing that you need to know. Today is Tim's birthday. (laughs) And so much like for Ricky's birthday, I do not sing. So Ricky will will lead you guys in happy birthday for him. But he, he also has an appointment Tuesday, correct? Tuesday is his appointment, and God is working in his life and is healing him. Um, But with any kind of surgery, minor or major or not, a lot of anxiety and worry creeps in on us. So I just ask that, that you guys be in prayer for him this week and be in prayer for Karen and for his family as they travel and things this week. And, um, And when you see him when he walks out, be sure to tell him happy birthday. But you guys are dismissed. It's also Todd Goins' birthday, so we'll sing both right here. Cody and Todd. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Cody and Todd. Happy birthday to